Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and this is episode 32 of the podcast called Revolution Z. This episode is entitled NAR2, Some Early Struggle in Organizing. It is the second episode trying to verbally present the hoped-for movie, Next American Revolution, which I abbreviate NAR, or N-A-R. In each episode presenting the movie, and I think there will be 12 of them in all, I will take a section of the screenplay and tweak it for audio presentation. The idea is to try to convey the dialogue, but also a sense of the visuals. So this time, imagine you are watching a big screen, and you have been for some time, that was the last podcast episode, and on it you now see the exterior of New York University Law School in the afternoon. A rally audience cheers a law student speaking with a megaphone, who you hear saying, We radical law students harbor bad habits of entitlement that operate obstructively. We radical law students face intense resistance from many classmates, faculty, and media. Nonetheless, we radical law students seek to be lawyers for people and not for corporations. And then the scene shifts to the Columbia University School of Economics, where you see and hear another rally, where young Andrej Goldman, 24, an economics grad student, says, I will not justify low wages, unemployment, and alienation. I will not rationalize profits over people and celebrate growth over sustainability. I will do economics for workers, not for owners, for people, not for profits, for the planet, not for plutocrats. And the scene shifts again to a university faculty office, where Miguel Guevara, who you are now familiar with from earlier, interviews Andres Goldman, 50, a professor. You also see various titles by Goldman on shelves, and you watch as Goldman, clearly answering a question from Guevara, says, In college I memorized equations. I worshipped supply and demand. I ridiculed government spending. I learned lots about inflation and tax rates, but I learned nothing about corporate process. Me and my mates were ignorant, self-important, wannabe wonks, studying blindly with other ignorant, self-important, wannabe wonks. And the scene shifts again. And you see a campus where students rally against global warming. You hear Goldman's voice over the visual of the rally you are watching. As a junior, a friend took me to my first demonstration. The speaker's passion was contagious. Yet I watched, I respected, but I didn't join. After returning to my dorm, I felt embarrassed that I had stood silent even as I had admired what I saw. Feeling that I had avoided responsibility shamed me, but it also woke me. The scene then changes back to the university office, where the Guevara-Goldman interview continues. Guevara asks, What were some pivotal events for you? Goldman answers, The 2021 Schools for the People campaign and the 2029 Olympia Refinery takeover come immediately to mind. The scene shifts to a high school auditorium, where you see parents and teachers confront a school principal. School principal Chambers says, what do you want from us? We teach your children. We house them. Let me be a good principal. Let me educate your kids without suffering your anger. Be grateful. Go home. A male parent from the audience yells back, We want education, not warehousing, for our children. We want a community center where we can all learn. A female parent adds, Teachers want better wages. We want better access. Can you hear us? Do you even try? We want a second home right here. You see the audience erupt in militant glee. And the scene shifts to outside an Olympia, Washington oil refinery that workers have occupied to block access. Drones fly over. A fancy-dressed elderly fellow, clearly the owner, glares at the workers from outside this plant and says, 
my workers, my company, my machines, my product. You earn what I pay you. You produce what I tell you. That's how it works. Now move your asses out of my way. A striker replies, We work for our families, our community, and ourselves, not for you. We will get worthy pay. We will get respect and a say. That's how it will be. We will not violate nature and threaten survival any longer. We will not move. Not you, not your scabs, nor anyone else will refine oil here again. The striker looks skyward, pauses, and then continues. Your drones don't intimidate us. Your commands don't move us. Your wealth doesn't scare us. Your time is over. It is you who will move. We have had enough of your authority. We have had enough of global warming. And henceforth, we are converting this plant to solar panel production. We watch the worker glare at the owner, calmly but militantly, as he says, stay on and work for society like we will, or get the hell out. The scene returns to the university office where the Guevara-Goldman interview continues. Guevara says, I actually reported on the Olympia refinery takeover. How they redefined their lives so inspired me that not long after I joined RPS. What was your path to joining? Goldman replies, Back at school, I was a young man studying abysmal economics. Then the Wall Street rally proposed an arms boycott. The scene shifts to Wall Street, early afternoon, where we see cheering crowds listen to a rally speaker who says, All of us, our families, our friends, and everyone we can reach must stop buying products from the hate-mongering producers of the high-velocity weapons fueling mass shootings. Boycott gun manufacturers. Make them retool or fail. Make the NRA relent or die. The scene next returns to the university office where you see Andres Goldman say, The gun boycott built on the 2018 high school demonstrations that began the rollback of gun culture and that propelled many young people into their first activism. But to build a meaningful weapons boycott, activists had to convince gun buyers who disagreed with the boycott. At MIT, where I was then a student, we quickly went from opposing gun violence to resisting militarizing campus police to opposing all campus complicity with war. But gaining student support wasn't easy. Some students believed U.S. intervention was selfless. Other students said MIT ending war research would be budgetary suicide. The scene next shifts, and you see an MIT campus rally at which young Andrej Goldman with a bullhorn addresses administrators who look out from office windows. Young Goldman says, How can you sensibly oppose our calls for greater attention to global warming? Do you want to fry us all? How can you reject focusing research on new energy sources and needed health campaigns? Do you want tsunamis, pestilence? How can you sensibly refute our rejection of weapons research? Do you want relentless murder? And you next see a montage of campus actions. A large MIT teach-in, then a rally at Boston Common. And over the visuals you hear Goldman's voice say, I worked on teach-ins. I organized rallies. I helped occupy labs. I became who I am now. And you next see a massive MIT sit-in, then a massive Harvard sit-in, then a Northeastern strike. And while you see the montage, you hear Goldman's voiceover continue. Before long, cross-campus solidarity provoked citywide demonstrations. Movements shared lessons and lent each other support. After two tumultuous years of constant educating and agitating, we held a rally culminating in a sit-in at MIT that attracted 30,000 students from all over the Boston area. When even more attended a subsequent rally and sit-in at Harvard, 
and when Northeastern and Boston University held simultaneous campus-wide strikes, our confidence soared. Success like that steeled us against all opponents. It spread to many other campuses and towns. The scene next returns to the university office where the Guevara-Goldman interview continues. Now, with a drink in hand, Guevara asks, What lessons did you take? Goldman answers, I learned how much confidence matters. I also learned why good people often accept horrible injustices. The scene next shifts to a dorm room at night, where young Andres Goldman, a grad student, argues with a classmate. The classmate says, American weapons aren't for offense. They preserve peace. Young Goldman responds, incredulous, Not for offense? Preserve peace? Are you blind or just heartless? We see the discussion continue, but we hear the older Andres Goldman's voice over the visual. Sadly, hearing student rationalizing, at first I was aggressive and communication stalled. Later I became more patient, and beyond rhetoric we would reach the heart of the matter. The scene shifts to another dorm room at night, where young Andres Goldman argues with a second classmate. Classmate 2 says, Okay, perhaps you make a good moral case, but even if you are ethically right, you can't win. Goldman replies, Even morally decrepit administrators won't defend war research when doing so will cause students and faculty to close their institutions. Classmate 2 answers, Maybe not, but eliminate war research here, and war profiteers will do it elsewhere. Organize resistance in many places, and war profiteers will bring it back somewhere, and eventually everywhere. You can't stop war. Human nature sucks. We have to play along and get what we can. I will not be Don Quixote pushing for peace against intractable war just to feel moral. The scene shifts back to the university office where Guevara Goldman interview continues. Guevara says, I remember being radical to like myself, to be liked by my friends, but not to win. Doubt about winning didn't only restrain conservatives. Goldman replies, Yes, while we easily addressed morals, the hard obstacle was cynicism. Sometimes college felt like a jaded old folks' home. Guevara asks, were there other lessons? Goldman answers, when we forced universities to stop supporting military agendas, they spun off labs as private corporate firms. That taught us to transcend campuses and take on private corporations. First MIT, Stanford, and the University of Michigan. Then the spin-offs, NSA, and huge arms manufacturers. The scene shifts again to an aircraft corporation where you see activists block the entrance and converse with workers while a helicopter circles above. Young Andres Goldman says to some workers, We want war firms like yours to work against global warming and for education and equity. We want Congress to reassign funds from building bombers, missiles, and tanks to producing transit systems, schools, hospitals, and solar plants. A weapons worker replies, after you put us out of work, how do I feed my kids? Answer me that. Goldman responds, Why should you lose your job? Why shouldn't your workplace employ you in worthy production? You think the rich opt for war production instead of social production for technical or military reasons? That is a lie. They opt for war production to ward off enlarged social spending, because social spending reveals that the government ought to benefit the whole population. They block enlarged social spending because it would empower workers against threats of firing. They preserve and keep enlarging war spending because they don't want to enlarge social spending. The weapons worker answers, 
You expect me to believe we're spending Trump's social spending because building high-tech weapons employs fewer people and avoids empowering workers? Goldman responds, exactly. You could have a more meaningful job, better conditions, and more pay too, and so could all workers with no war production. But while you would gain, owners would lose, and that's why they prefer building missiles and bombs to ending global warming and building hospitals and schools. The weapons worker notes, perhaps, maybe, but owners are in charge. Young Andrej Goldman answers, for now, yes, they are, but not forever. The scene shifts next to a university campus lawn, where you see a small group surround young Andrej Goldman. You hear Andrej Goldman's voice over the visuals say, After I gave a public talk at a university in Florida about boycotting military work, an open carry advocate confronted me. You see the open carry advocate say to young Goldman, At any moment, some maniac can start shooting. If students carry handguns, even a crazy student hell-bent on murder will be killed before doing much harm. Disarm us, more will die. You are a blind fool. Young Goldman replies, Open carry would unleash hysterical fear and escalate moderate disputes into violent catastrophes. Draw or be drawn on. More arms mean more flashpoints of mayhem at home and abroad. Arms feed a military mindset that infects all policy. The gun advocate responds, You are so damn naive, so damn ignorant, so damn Pollyanna. Escalations happen. Gun control will bring more deaths. Killing killers here and abroad is the only solution. The blood of innocence will be on your hands. The scene next returns to the university office where the Guevara-Goldman interview continues. Andres Goldman says, NRA profiteers drove gun policy, but many grassroots gun and war advocates just felt social corruption was irreversible. Violence was unavoidable. The only defense they saw to this inevitable violence was a gun of one's own. To make headway, we had to establish that society did not have to be a shooting gallery. Rivera says, it reminds me of advocates of coal and oil. I had to address my readers thoughtfully, not just shout my feelings and call them fools. Goldman reacts, yes, some of the coal and oil advocates likely felt doom was inevitable, so why not profit now? But most literally knew there were alternatives to pursue. They lacked any remotely ethical excuse, no matter how confused they were. I doubt history has any group as monstrous, risking as much mayhem for others just to personally frolic in their own private walled-off estates while the rest of us suffer the flooded ruins beyond. Of course, we had to stop that. The RPS task was to prevent global ecological disasters while winning social gains as well. At first, that meant seeking a green and a just New Deal. I hope you won't mind. But I think that's a spot for today's rendition of the Hope For movie, Next American Revolution, to call a pause. I do hope conveying Next American Revolution verbally and Revolution Z episodes, two a week for a few more weeks is my plan, can inspire some and convey information to some with the heart of those elements still to come. And I do hope you will seriously consider three things you might do to help out. First, if you have ideas for the movie that would entail changes to the screenplay, please send your ideas along. I welcome all suggestions. You can reach me at sysop at zmag.org. One caveat, however. Don't bother writing to tell me to give up, because it is impossible to get a movie like this made. There is no point wasting your time on that message. Write, instead, to propose things I might do to improve the chances that next American Revolution will get made.
I well know the odds are long. Second, if you think the idea of the movie, and even the verbal description of it I am providing, are promising, consider passing on the word to others, most especially to anyone you know, who may know someone, who may know someone, who knows someone progressive in Hollywood. That's how the next American Revolution will get a hearing, if at all. And finally, third, please visit www.patreon.com slash revolutionz. Patreon is a site by which people can help various projects, including this podcast, and truth be told, this podcast very much needs the help. Building a podcast that isn't people arguing viciously, or an exploration of pop culture or sports, and that doesn't have resources for outreach, is not easy. Revolution Z has about 100 donors, each donating a bit under $8 a month on average. It has about 1,000 listeners. If more listeners will help support the project, we will be able to reach out further and grow some more. We will have more guests. We will have more episodes. I hope you will decide that is worth attaining and will become a patron at whatever level of support suits you to help it happen. And so, we come to the end of this episode, a short one. I hope you will be back for the next, in just a couple of days, another on Next American Revolution. Indeed, the next installment, I guess, gets emotional, at least to my eyes and ears, and hopefully it will to yours too. In any case, this is Michael Albert, signing off for now for Revolution Z.